covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Thanks so much for being tuned in. Week number two of the uh, off-season portion of this podcast since the uh, season came to an end for the Brewers. We're still kind of in look-back mode. I don't know at what point we'll really start uh, churning forward towards roster decisions and what the offseason is going to look like and, and things like that. Maybe we need to get through the World Series first and, and you know, free agency opens up. I think it is eight days after uh, the World Series comes to an end. I think that's the, the number of days. But either way, it's after the World Series comes to an end. Maybe at that point we'll start to uh, shift our focus towards what's going to be uh, happening moving forward. But for me at least, maybe you're in a different boat than, uh, th- than I am, and I'm sorry if you're looking for something a little bit different here. But for me, uh, the focus is still kind of looking back on what was the 2020 season for the Milwaukee Brewers. Our normal housekeeping items to uh, knock out here at the uh, top of the program. If you want to get in contact with me, best way to do so is on Twitter at Matt Pauley on air, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y on air. And if you listen to the podcast on Apple Podcast and can leave a ranking and review and subscribe as well, that would be fantastic. Nothing's really changed from last week to uh, to this week. There's been just a, a few bits of news that have uh, that have come out, but really it's, it's quiet and it's going to continue to be uh, quiet in all likelihood. Uh, they did announce the... Uh, the Baseball Writers Association of America, the Milwaukee chapter, did announce the award winners for the Brewers. Corbin Burns was named the Brewers' most valuable player. Devin Williams, he was named the most valuable pitcher. Uh, then you have Jed Jerko, who is the Brewers' top newcomer. Eric Yardley, uh, Yardley, excuse me, was uh, voted the Brewers' unsung hero, and pitcher Josh Lindblom receiving the Good Guy Award. That goes each year to the player who has the most outgoing, friendly uh, presence in the clubhouse and interacts well with the media on a daily basis. Of course, this year was a little bit different when it came to that because everything was on Zoom. And it's worth noting, I think I think the Brewers PR staff and then all members of the Brewers, starting with manager Craig Council, uh, his staff and all the players did a fantastic job. It was tough always being on Zoom, but for uh, what they had, I thought they did a really nice job with that. A couple other uh, reports, there was... Um, there was something in the Milwaukee Business Journal. They said that the uh, loss for the Brewers by not having fans in the stands this year was at $178.3 million. That put them 13th among Major League Baseball teams in revenue lost this year because of not having fans. Uh, to put that in perspective, the Yankees were number one at $437 million, but I would argue that the Yankees can handle a $437 million uh, reduction in income a little bit better than the Brewers are uh, can handle their one hundred. Seventy-eight as the uh, the Brewers, um, their their gate income and everything that goes along with it counts for a little bit more. That doesn't mean that they lost money this year. I don't know if any of us will ever really know how much money they're making or losing. Just because you have a less income and less revenue, that doesn't necessarily mean you lost money. Um, when when they get through the postseason and they get close to their billion dollars across major league baseball and that money gets distributed from team to team that's going to be a uh, that's going to be a big deal but to say 
we're, we can't you know just say ah, 178.3 million dollars that's nothing they took a hit they took a hit they took a, a significant hit and uh, in our featured conversation we're going to talk a lot about that because it definitely is going to play a role in the way things go this offseason also it was reported this past week that um the uh, the drive system for the roof at miller park is going to be replaced it's a $1.8 million upgrade, and it's what opens and closes the roof. The upgrade's going to take about a year and a half to be able to uh, completely uh, get replaced. And once it is done, it's expected to have about a 20-year lifespan, which is how long the first one had uh, the lifespan on. So uh, that's kind of where uh, that's kind of where things are at. But that's that's it. That's that's the only thing different from last week uh, to this week in terms of any news or notes that happened to come out. So not a whole lot to uh, get into. But all that being said, uh, let's get to this week's conversation uh, as uh, we are uh, very happy to uh, bring in this guy. He is uh, a producer on 94.5, not just a producer, like the producer, producer of the morning show with... Uh, with uh, Jen Latta and uh, Mark Chamer and Gabe Neitzel, and it's uh, fairly new. He's Ashton Rotman. Hi, Ashton. What's up, Matty Ice? Did I? Uh, I I think I messed up. I think I did. I do the wrong order. It's Jen. Should I go Jen, then Gabe, it's, then Chewy? Is that right? Yeah, technically it's Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. But okay. uh, I don't even know if it matters. I don't want to like shortchange anybody or overchange. Is there? Do you overchange? Can you do that? Uh, I think that's just called giving somebody a tip. Okay. But uh, no, it's Jen, Gabe, and Chewy. Yes, that is me. I am that. I am on there every day, 4 a.m. alarm clock. Okay. Uh, how's that treating you? That's new, by the way. How's that alarm treating you? It's 4 a.m. Yes. It's, uh, it's, I am a person who, when I'm up, I'm up. So when I'm up at 4, I'm up at 4. So it's, it's going fine. I, I do, I just, my day at the station usually ends at like 1 or one thirty which is super annoying. And then I do stuff at home still, but like, it's just annoying to be done with your day at one thirty. Certain morning show people say like, once you do it, it's like in your blood and then you can never like go back. And I did mornings for a while and that was not the case with me. The moment yeah. I was done doing mornings, I did not have a problem sleeping in that next day. I remember I used to, I used to produce Saturday mornings. It was just Saturday. It was five o'clock. So I used to do the same thing. It was 5am show. I used to wake up at four, show up and do it. I was just Saturday mornings. I did that for like six months. And yeah, I, I found it pretty easy to just not do it anymore. Yeah. yeah. I think that's, uh, I think that's pretty standard. Um, I want to start by the, you know, we're, we're still kind of in that period where I don't even know if it's time yet to like really start evaluating what needs to be done in the offseason because I still don't know if we know what the offseason is going to look like. So I'm still sort of in a reflection period, and I know we're going on for a while on that, but I find it interesting. Major League Baseball was the first to attempt to play games outside of a bubble. I guess they were kind of the first to attempt, period, but the main thing being outside the bubble. They had some hurdles that they had to jump over, the Marlins situation, the Cardinals situation. We get that. But they, they went through it, and they were really successful during the regular season and so far being successful in their playoff bubbles. The NFL had all the information from Major League Baseball when they got started, yet the NFL is running into all kinds of problems right now. Does that make it maybe more impressive what baseball was actually able to pull off? That's a really good question uh, because – and I think we heard the comments that Rob Manfred made like a week into the season or yeah, it was to Dan Patrick. He was like, 
we were always going to do 60 games. It didn't matter what went on. We were always going to do 60 games. So I don't know. I, I doesn't make it more impressive that they're finishing it. Yes. Why they're doing fans at this point. I know the reason why, but I also think it's kind of pointless to just be like, Oh, by the way, here's 11 and a half thousand fans go for it. Um, it's impressive, but at the same time, like there were legit concerns that first three weeks, like, Oh no, this might've been a terrible idea for all the, the faults that we thought it was going to happen. It was like, now it's here. I don't know if it's actually going to happen. And it did. So I guess credit to them for getting it done. But at the same time, like, I still don't think they thought it all the way through. I think I truly believe major league baseball got lucky. Hmm. And you know me, I am good. I'm not one to give credit to Rob Manfred. You know, my, you know, my thoughts on Rob Manfred, but I also try to be fair. I think he and him, because he oversees it, not that he single-handedly was responsible, right. but you, you give credit to leaders when organizations are successful. So mm-hmm. I'll give credit where I, I think Major League Baseball, I don't think they got lucky. I think I think there was a lot of people in a lot of different facets from the league level and from the team level who bought into what needed to be done to be able to finish out the year. I think that's fair. The main reason that I do think they got lucky is because we're seeing the NFL do it the same way that baseball did it, essentially. Testing every day, trying to stay isolated. Obviously, they only play one game a week. They're testing everybody involved. They're testing reporters. Like The only reason I say that Major League Baseball got lucky is because we're seeing what's happening with football, and we don't know how it's going to end up. We know that they're going to do whatever they can to, to make up these games and push back the Super Bowl, maybe, which I'm I still not sold on that. But like, I think the NFL is getting the unlucky portion of the stick to where they're saying, well, we're just going to move things on the fly, which is what baseball had to do, but also had the luxury of being able to do double headers. But look at the okay, let's compare the Tennessee Titans to the St. Louis Cardinals. Because sure. when when the Cardinals had their issue, they were in their Milwaukee hotel and they didn't leave. They stayed in their rooms. They took the mattresses off the bed frames and put them up against the wall and threw baseballs against the mattresses. Like they did they did stuff like that. And what did the Titans do? They went to a local high school and they decided to run practice. Like there's, right, they there, clearly didn't yeah. follow the rules. So I think there's a difference there, right? Uh, yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, again, I think there's also a difference in like the sport itself and the training for each of the sports. And uh, it, it, it almost it feels like it's, it's semantics almost at this point because it, it not semantics that you're saying, the semantics between the two sports. It's like they're trying to accomplish the same thing, but they're doing it in very different ways. But at some at some level, they have the same results of like. In the beginning of the season, nobody knows how to react when it's going poorly. When the season got started and there was a 60-game schedule and then when they added the expanded playoffs, I thought the expanded playoffs was a good idea because if there was a weird quirk in the 60 games that stopped one of the best teams from being in the postseason, they had a better shot of getting in. At the end of the day, you want the best teams in there. And... We didn't know it at the time, but the Houston Astros might have been one of the best teams in baseball, and now they have advanced to the ALCS with the same regular season record that the Brewers had, and I don't think you can have it both ways. A lot of people are being very critical that the Brewers were even in the postseason, but some of those same people are happy about the expanded playoff because an an Astros team that is clearly very talented got in. You can't Mm -hmm. have it both ways. No, I think that, and I think that's fair. Uh, I I think you and I maybe have talked about this off the air in the past, uh, but I got or in the past. I say in the past, like three months. I agree with you pretty much on everything you just said regarding the playoffs. Like, did I as a baseball fan? I'm like, oh, it's 16 teams. It's interesting as a fan in in baseball. And this year, it's like, ah, uh, maybe they're just trying to you know CYA cover themselves here. Uh, but at the same time, it's like, 
nobody knew what each of these teams was going to do. No, nobody knew that the Astros were going to be this good with or without the cheating. Like, no, nobody knew what that was going to look like. And it feels like that guy shortchanged. It was like, hey, remember this? But also, like, we only got three months of baseball. If we got five or six months of baseball, they might have won 100 games somehow. Right. Like, it might have been the Nationals last year. Like, we just don't know. Yeah, they probably wouldn't have won 100, but they, they, they could have very easily gotten themselves into postseason contention yeah. uh, despite being two games under 500 through through 60 games. Do you um, – generally this is the first question I ask in these end-of-year interviews, and we're kind of into this a little bit, but I'll just – I'll kind of circle back with you. From a very broad standpoint, how will you remember from a baseball standpoint, not all the off-field stuff, and, and that is kind of the number one thing from 2020, but from a baseball standpoint, what's going to stick out to you about the 2020 Brewers? Mediocre. I, I mean, the minute that you started, I had that word in my mind. Um, because, like, you know what? Let me. Uh, mediocre is how I how I view them as far as on the field. Uh, in essence, it also, to me, kind of plays into what I thought they were going to be. Like, that's 162 games, 60 games, didn't matter. Everything that happened in the offseason, everything that, you know, before COVID even happened, all the, the moves they made, I just didn't think they were really going to do anything more than be a 500 team, maybe 85 wins at best if it was a full season. And it just kind of played out exactly how I thought it was going to. I would have loved to have been wrong. I, I cannot ex- express enough how much I would have loved to have been wrong. and been like, David Stearns did it again. Craig Council did it again. The pitching staff did it again. And they just all of a sudden do it. But I just, it is, it is what I, they are who I thought they were. They, um, I think... I leave open the possibility, and maybe I'm, maybe it wouldn't have gone out. I'm not saying this would have happened, but I leave open the possibility that a Justin Smoke, that a Brock Holt could have worked in a 162-game season. Maybe not. Maybe not. I'm not saying they fair. would have worked. I said fair. they could have worked. I think that's fair. Like I, I don't think there's anything wrong with believing that. Um, but it, to me, it goes back to the greater issue that I have with the Brewers, and I don't know if I'm supposed to be blaming David Stearns or Mark Adonacio for this, which is the idea that we can keep retooling on the fly to get things that have not been proven before, but we think it, it worked once for us before, so we're going to try it again. But also this season, this is another thing. This I just keep thinking about it because I keep thinking of how this season went it's like, and how I believe that it's going to happen in the offseason is this is just a lost season for them. Like, it's just – it happened, it's done – move on like I, I just feel like they're not going to do anything huge in the offseason like Josh Lindblom didn't pitch well this year maybe a full offseason and everything maybe he comes back and that deal looks better and better Yelich he weird offseason saw a ton of breaking balls they didn't help him out in the lineup Keston Hero wasn't helping him out in the lineup maybe that changes too like I think they're, they're going to look at the season and say this was just a really weird year and we don't think this is going to be the norm so we're going to keep doing the same thing I just thought of this, and and I talked about it a ton going, at really going into this season and, and at the end of last season after uh, Mustakis ended up with the Reds and Grandal mm-hmm. ended up with the White Sox, and it was a, it was a very common narrative on this podcast and on other things that I did. It was the first time in the David Stearns era that the Brewers had lost members of their core from a position player standpoint, mm-hmm. and. Neither of those guys had great seasons with their respective clubs, but that doesn't mean that they wouldn't have had better seasons in Milwaukee. And I just, 
I keep thinking about it. Obviously, the offense wasn't as good. We don't know how much better the offense would have been with those guys. Uh, we weren't in the clubhouse as members of the media. Everything was done on Zoom, so you couldn't really tell if that normal camaraderie existed like it did before. But That's another thing. The team didn't have the word juice. I, I, I like the word juice. And it says the team did not have juice or anything. No. You think about how fun for me personally, I love, I love the White Sox obviously, but like how much fun I have watching the White Sox this season, how much fun people are having, we're having watching the Padres this year, uh, how much fun people are having rooting against the Astros aside from myself. Cause I'm rooting for them this year. Like that's, that's how it's worked. And with the Brewers, it was just, but okay. Bleh. So let me ask you this then, because yeah, they had that juice. They had that juice with, a fair number of veteran guys. Sure. The White Sox, super young. There, there's some veterans, but for the most part, super young. The Padres. Yeah, they're, 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 there's an Eric Hosmer there, but but super young. Super young. Yep. Was there any team in Major League Baseball this year that had quote-unquote juice that was not led by a bunch of young guys who really didn't know better? Great question. Um, do we count the Astros? No. I'd say no because no. they've been there before. No. Uh, then no. My, my answer is probably no, which which speaks to a, a bigger point about the Brewers. Right. Uh, the point I'm trying to make is you just in the, in 2020 with no fans in the stands and all like that was right. that's not they may have had quote unquote juice had they played a 162 game season again. It's kind of sure. what I said about Smoke and Holt. They may have had, played better in a 162 game season. Sure. This team may have looked like the Brewers teams of old over the last two years in terms of how fun they were had they played a season with fans and just not the weirdness. We don't know and we'll never know. It's, it will forever be an unanswered question. Yeah, no, I'm not discounting that. I just, that when I think about the season, that's what I think about it, like how much different it was, how this team wasn't able to, it's not really, it's, I, I want to say overcoming it, but like they're not overcoming it. They're overcoming not playing with fans, which I get is a big deal, but at the same time, there are 30 teams. Every team had to overcome not playing with fans. Uh, and every team had to deal with it differently and has dealt with it differently. I'm just not sure that this team specifically, and this goes back to your point, which is a great point. Like we can talk about all we want. We don't know if they were going to meet the potential of whatever David Stearns thought and had or whatever fans thought they were going to do this year compared to the last three seasons. Essentially. Like we don't know. And, and there's no way to know. We could just decide, discuss like, Hey, Maybe that move wasn't going to work out as intended anyways, but they, they wanted to try it. Everything David Stern says indicates some pretty major changes. Uh, the admission that moves last year didn't work and the mm-hmm. admission that the offense didn't work. Now, everybody can sit here and say, well, okay, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to see that, but, but it, you have a general manager – overtly admitting that and not trying some like roundabout well you know there was no rationalization he was very blunt in in those assessments if it was a normal season and they had all the 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 normal amount of money to spend i would be pretty confident that there would be some fairly big moves coming this offseason maybe there's not going to be because of major league baseball's current financial condition coming out of a of a pandemic but to me it feels like he wants to make some pretty major changes, probably to that lineup. In what in what way? When you say major changes, you mean to to get it back going, or to be like, we got to retry this. We got to we got to try something new. Get it back going, like bring okay. in your. Don't bring in a bunch of bounce back candidates. Don't bring in a bunch of 
What a concept. Uh, veteran guys who are nice role players, but you're expecting them to do more. Like, bring in a first baseman who is going to be your first baseman, and there's a pretty good chance he's going to be an all-star. Something like, you know, same thing with third base. Like, bring in legit free agent guys and spend some money. I don't know if that's – we don't know the conversations going on right now between Mark Atanasio and David Stearns, and I got to think, you know, free agency is going to open up right after the World Series ends, like yep. eight days after the World Series ends, I think it is. Um, I would bet the vast majority of Major League Baseball teams will still not have set – their payroll number at that point because they're still going to be in wait and see mode on what's going to happen. No chance. Yeah. No, no chance. I, and, and this is going to, it's going to upset me too. And it, I'm, I'm, I already know it's happening. I'm upset about it now. And I'm sure I'm going to get more upset come November, come December, come January when there's these dudes that aren't set. And it's like, well, because now there's the excuse. And when I say excuse, I don't care. I still think it's an excuse. You can excuse of, well, we just don't know what it's going to look like. Well, nobody knows what it's going to look like. So either make your decisions and deal with it or, you do what you're going to do, which is wait. Yeah. And I don't know if I should, I don't know if I should blame owners for that. They're not in the business of losing money. That's why they have all the money is because they're in the business of trying to make money, whether that uh, be leaguers, the fans or not, or their own teams for that matter. I do think it's a little bit different this year because I think there's, I, th- I think there's more fear involved. Like before there was fear of like having kind of a bad year this year. I think there's fear of like just not being able to work. And I'm not, Again, I'm not trying to make excuse for owners, and I think they don't exactly. I don't think they're completely forthright with how much money's coming in. I think they're in better shape than they would tell people. But at the same, look at the Brewers. Like the, the Brewers are a great example. The Brewers are a very competitive team that has been in the playoffs for three straight years. Yet they are also in a small market where they are so dependent upon people walking through those turnstiles and people going to the concession stands and people Mm -hmm. paying for parking and people going into the team store during games and all of that. That is, that is as of any competitive team in baseball right now, uh, outside of the Tampa Bay Rays, probably Tampa Bay is very much in the same position, Uh, but Tampa Bay doesn't get fans. So it doesn't even, so they do it differently. Um, But of, of all the teams that are like in a competitive window right now, you could argue the Brewers are most hurt by the pandemic, and that's why I don't know what it's going to look like in terms of the money that they're going to spend. I'm always I'm always jaded in this regard in the sense that uh, I don't like to give owners any shred of, you know, belief. In, in the sense that, like, yeah, I understand they're in a small market. I understand what Mark Adonacio says he can and cannot do. But at the same time, if you're willing to do it, or if you're not willing to do it before the pandemic, you're not obviously not going to do it during a pandemic. You're not going to do it after the pandemic. It's like it's not. I, that's why my my philosophy at the Brewers is it's not like anything's really different. Do they rely on gate? Yes, they absolutely do rely on gate. How much money are they really not going to be spending in the coming years because of this versus what they would have spent to, the, to begin with? Like nobody knew the pandemic was going to happen. They still didn't spend money on Grandal or Mustakis. Not saying both, but like they didn't spend money on either of them. Or my pick, Eric Thames. Like that's I know he wasn't great in Washington. But, like, it's still my pick of, like, if you did all that for smoke, you could have just done this, ran it back with a guy you already knew. Yeah, and I think he would have had a better season in Milwaukee than he had mm-hmm. in Washington. I'll say this about last offseason, and I feel like I'm on an island on this. I say this all the time. People know people who listen to this podcast every week know exactly the words that are I about to come say, out of my mouth. I'm, I'm willing to hear it out, though. Okay. I think they 
were very conservative in the money that they spent last year to try to leave wiggle room for a Christian Yelich deal. I don't, I don't doubt that. Um, but my, my only argument to that would be if you want to sign Christian Yelich, you are going to, you are going to make the room to sign Christian Yelich with or without the other contracts. But in the Brewers case though, you're probably right. Yeah. This, like, was in, this was in their eyes was the only way this was going to be able to happen the way it happened. Okay. So, now, the way the Yelich deal worked out, it actually doesn't help my argument, and I'll admit that. I, but but you're, the sentiment of it, I actually do agree with. I think that is exactly what the Brewers were probably banking on, banking, no, no pun intended, but absolutely intended doing, was being able to just be like, but Christian Yelich, here. Yeah, and the Yelich deal is interesting because they didn't give him any extra money on the years that were already that was already on the previous contract. And I was I was on an island saying... I thought that they were going to get a Yelich deal done. But the reason I thought they were going to get the Yelich deal done was because I thought they could give him more money in the years that they already had him under contract and then pay him a little bit less money in the added year. So I thought every year that went by, there was a less of a chance of signing Yelich because you had the opportunity for to just give him extra money in these years and maybe you can make it up on the other side. Interestingly enough, they don't give him that extra money. They just were able to extend him. So it, the deal got done, but the deal did not get done for the reason that I thought it was going to get done. So that goes against this. But the deal that you would have thought that you would have been giving Yelich, where what I just said was true, but I don't know. Everyone thought if he was going to get it from the Brewers, it was going to be. Right. I don't know if you can take on that Moustakis contract and still do that. I don't know if you can take sure. on that Grand All contract and still do that. Now... They've got Yelich under contract. Braun's coming off the books at his current valuation. If he's back or not, that's a that's a question we probably won't get answered until January. Mm-hmm. Um, but now all of a sudden, you, you just have more of a. Um, it's like when I'm going when I'm going to pay bills on a Saturday morning. I want everything to have cleared through my account. You know, if I've if I've paid the babysitter in the last week, I'm hoping that she has cash that check and it is out of my bank account so you i don't have to account for it right so i've got a view of where i'm at financially as i go pay bills i in a, in a very weird roundabout way i think it's the same thing the yelich deal is that you have your major expenditure under contract on the books you know where that is and now there's a roadmap to go where you want to go financially yeah and which is fair in a sense it's like you can think that you would just anyone can think that way, and the Brewers specifically also can think that way. But at the same time, it's like, what do you place around that guy, and, and how 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 do you build around that guy, knowing that he is what he is? And if you think he's going to be that guy for the next seven to ten years, as you signed him for, and you've got Kesson Hero under contract for however long you're going to have him under contract, and you're going to do with Josh Hader whatever you decide to do with, which is still the jury is still out on what they're actually going to do with Josh Hader specifically. Now it's a conversation for another day, but like. How do you help that guy in the lineup? And you How have you to because you're not getting your money's worth when he's a 200 hitter and he's not a 200 yes. hitter. If, right. if Mike Moustakis and Yasmani Grandal are in the lineup, he's probably not a 200 hitter. Right. And, and if he is, then there's a bigger issue there. But like, we're not like we're going to, we're not retroactively going to find that out. But like, that's why I said, you know, a few minutes ago, like, this might just be a year where they're like, this is a weird year and just run it back and say, we don't think testing here is going to be this bad again. We think. Lorenzo Cain's going to be back in the lineup and back to, uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Lorenzo offensively the first four games was pretty good. Yeah, he hit above 300. He was their best hitter. Right. So like, I, Which I isn't saying a lot, but he was their best hitter. 
Right. Well, Besser ended up like 220. So <laughs> um, I, I think that's a big portion of it is like they can go into it and say all these things that happened this year, including the pandemic and not having fans and whatnot, we don't anticipate that happening again next year. So we can we can run it back. We can say to Christian, to ourselves, to Christian, like, Kesson here is not going to be this bad again. We don't think that's ever going to happen. So he's going to have protection in the lineup. Kane's probably going to be better at the top. We don't know what's going to happen with Braun, but even if he is or isn't in the lineup, like, we can figure out around that. Like, I, I just think they, they can say to themselves, it's small, still small holes. Where to me, it's still huge gaps. For the rest of our lifetimes, I don't think we can ever have the conversation again. Is spring training too long? That's <laughs> a good, good point. The Brewers hit 223. It was their worst offensive season in club history. And they were second in the NL Central in hitting. Yeah. That's, that's incredible. They were the second best team in hitting in the division, and it was their worst offensive year in the history of the organization. If that if that doesn't tell you that teams need every single one of those spring training games that feel like they don't matter and have no purpose, and you don't know why in the world they're down in Arizona for six weeks, like that that tells you, right? I, I think that's a fair argument. Do I still think it's an insane amount of time? Yes. Do I think you're probably right? Also, yes. It's um, I, I don't know. And again, there was other stuff going on, but I just I don't think I don't think players were prepared for this season. Let me ask you a question. That I, I think I've I've asked this to just people in general, or if I haven't, I've just thought it. Like, how much? Or baseball specifically, I think is a big sport here because there is no salary cap and because the CBA is coming up. How much are people? within the league, within teams, within organizations, going to just say, it's not like any of us expected 2020 to happen. We ha- we kind of just have to roll with it and move on and say, well, that was just, that was the year it happened back to, back to whatever we can do. How, how many of them are just saying, are just going to go and say, well, now it's back to business, quote unquote, as usual. Yeah. I think what you're kind of, the question you're sort of asking there, and to, I'll take it one step further. Do you make, like, can you take any evaluations from 2020 and apply it to 2021? I think that's kind of what you're saying. That's, that's the gist of it, yeah. yeah and I, and I'm talking from my business and from an out-in-the-field standpoint. Okay, for, well, yeah. from an I think Omar Narvaez is the greatest uh, experiment when it comes to that. Because if you look at his 2020, then you're non-tendering him. He's not back next year. Uh, and then he goes to another team and he hits 270 with 25 home runs and 85 RBIs. Mm-hmm. Or you tender him and you bring him back and he's the same guy that he was this year and he hits 200 again. Either way, I'm getting killed on on my post-game shows from fans. Right. If he leaves and is good, everybody's saying, well, of course, like, it was 2020. Why would you? This is who he's been the whole time. He had one bad year and a weird year. Why would you Why mm-hmm. would you just non-tender him or the exact opposite? Well, look what he did last year. It's the... Um, I know you're going to laugh at this one. It's kind of the Eric Sogard thing. Like everybody is angry about Eric Sogard in 2020 not performing, saying, well, look who he was in 2018 because nobody was paying attention to what he was doing in Toronto. Like as a guy, who he was in 2020 is not the guy he actually is. But be- okay, go ahead. In here because I, I made my thoughts on the Eric Sogard signing at the time very, very clear. Uh, it was a dumb signing then. I don't care what he did in Toronto. He has a track record. He's a utility player. You sign that guy to be your everyday anyone just throw out there, but you want him in the lineup, it's not going to work out for you. And it didn't work out again this time. It worked out for six months in Toronto once. Okay, I don't I don't I guess I never viewed him as an everyday guy. 
I think they did. Me or maybe. I then I did I would disagree with the signing as an everyday guy. If you're signing Eric Sogard to be Eric Sogard, then I'm fine with it. If you do but if you're doing that and saying it's if you're the Brewers and you're doing that and you're saying that was one of your your core offseason moves, that in lies a problem. I agreed. Okay. I, I agreed. But it's Sorry, just I just had to get that out there. <laughs> how do you evaluate I I don't know how you evaluate twenty twenty because if I don't you, either. Yeah, I <sighs> That's that's why that's why I asked A because you're way smarter than I am about this. No, I'm not. B, like, yes, you are. And B because I just want to know like, is everyone else as flustered and as my my guy Tony Smith loves to say frustrated, which I looked up is an actual word uh, about this season. Like, you're frustrated, you're flustered, you're confused, you don't know what the heck you're supposed to do as a fan, and you don't know what you're supposed to expect the next season. Like, as a fan, expectations. What are you supposed to expect? I don't know. I don't know if the White Sox are going to be this good. I don't know if the Brewers are going to be this mediocre. I don't know if they if the Astros are going to be a 500, like, I, I don't know. Everything we've seen in the playoffs, I'm like, I don't know how any of this is going to carry over or not carry over. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know either. And Ugh, It's frustrating. Again, if I was a free agent, <laughs> I would sign a one-year deal. 100%. Yeah, and get as much money as I can on a one-year deal and hope to God that they play baseball in 2022. I might counter that. I might change it up by saying I'm just going to take a one-year deal. This might be the one time in history I actually say this and mean it from a perspective of I always try to root for the root for the player side in this. If I was a player, I might just take a one-year deal and try to win and prove myself on a winning team and maybe try and get more money that way because I'm not sure what the next year after that is going to bring. And you're one year older, you're one year more veteran, which for some of these guys is, is fine, but for some of them it's like you just lost a year of your prime trying to search out another contract that you hope happens but yeah. you're not sure because of cba it's almost like you need an algorithm to say okay you're this age and you've got this much production left in you uh would it be smart to sign a long-term deal this year when team when not a single baseball team in major league baseball wants to spend money not that mm-hmm. they normally want to but this year right. i think it's right. going to be unprecedented in terms of how little money is being spent. I think the owners are in total agreement on that, whether you want to call it collusion or not. I think the owners are in total agreement uh, in, in, in the uh, restrictions and the limitations that they're going to put in spending this year. Do you sign a long-term deal this year where owners are going to be so hesitant to, uh, to pay any money, or do you wait until we're out of the pandemic and things are looking better, but then you wait and uh, there's going to be a new collective bargaining agreement, and we don't even know if there's going to be baseball in 2022 because of the – I mean, there's two things that are hitting here. There's coming out of the pandemic and going into another labor negotiation. Right. This is – I don't know if something like this – like no, nothing like this has ever happened it's in baseball. Happened. It yeah, hasn't man, happened. I'll answer that for you. It's never yeah. happened. Because no. <laughs> right, because Major League Baseball in 1917 during the uh, – the Spanish flu or like even during the forties during world war two, when dudes were just leaving and coming back, it's like, they still played. They yeah. still did stuff. Um, they just handled it a lot differently. I, I don't know. I think the problem, and this is the most frustrating thing to me personally, is I don't have answers to this. I don't know what the answers are to this because there's no clear path for, uh, this was the president set before when X happened. Like we can, we can do that. The, the tete a there with the CBN negotiations where you and I are pretty much in agreement. Like, there might not be baseball for a part of 2022. I'd be very shocked if there was, or if there wasn't, you know, some part of 2022 where there was just no baseball. Um, but at the same time, it's like, but is it because of the CBA or is it because of 2020 or is it because of whatever's going to happen in 2021? Like there's no answer as to why that's going to happen. There's no X plus Y equals Z. It's like, 
x plus 7 equals 32. Right. And and we're solving for y, and we don't even know where y is. That's exactly. Yeah. Thanks for finishing that. Yeah. <laughs> How about math that? Some some algebra here. Were, were you a math guy? No, got it. Got okay. no. I hated math. I took college algebra five times at five different institutions <laughs> of higher learning. I took it twice. <laughs> Didn't do well either time. I think it's it's because when I think of math, and this is specifically why I took a stats class in high school that I loved. And I took it because for me, anytime I'm learning anything in my life, I just equate it to how can I do this in sports terms? Anytime I was in English class and I got to pick a paper or I got to pick like the subject, boom, I already knew what I was writing about sports related. I wrote, I wrote at my like freshman year, quote unquote thesis. Cause our English class was a, we had to have a thing at the end of the year. I wrote it on Barry Bonds and why he should be in the hall of fame. Like that's, that's the stuff that I do. And then I took a stats class cause I love stats and sports. I took a film. I remember taking a film class, and oh, our I love film class. Our um, we had like a younger teacher. Like generally, like the if you're gonna have a big thesis at the end, it's gonna be on like Citizen Kane or Gone with the Wind or something like that. Our teacher had us do our last one on um, Jerry Maguire. That's a double whammy. Yeah, like that's it a, was it's a sports movie and it's a great movie. It was great. Like I, I aced that class without a problem. See exactly now. Imagine you're a baseball team trying to figure out everything, and you got you've got the two of us on the staff trying to figure it out. Yikes! <sighs> all right. Well, this was fun, Ashton. Matt, I miss seeing you all the time. Yeah, we used to see. Hey, you're going to see me. This is great for the podcast. You'll see me on Friday because <sighs> I am filling in for Brian D on morning sports on WTMJ. Ooh, maybe I'll bring cookies. I'll be in, I think, the next two Fridays in a row. What? Yeah, I mean, Brian has just become a complete slacker and clearly does not believe in working anymore. I'm going to forget both Fridays that you're in, just like last time when I may have known you were in, and I was like, whoa, hey, Matt, what's up? And now that Brewers is over, I'll be in doing Packers stuff. Oh, baby. Yeah. So, Look at us. We're uh, back. Like, in a week, you're going to be like, man, I see that Polly guy too much. Yeah, yeah let's go Sick back to Zoom. It. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Thanks for inviting me on, as always. You bet. We'll do this again at some point in the offseason. Peace. Ashton Rotman joining us here on Brewers Extra Range, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile as we do start to wrap things up. We'll see what happens uh, this upcoming week. Again, uh, we're kind of in that period until the postseason does come to an end that there's not going to be a whole lot of news when it comes to uh, what's going on. But uh, postseason not that far from being over, and the free agency will open up after that. And We just continue to have no idea what it's even going to uh, look like. But uh, nonetheless, we will talk to you uh, next week. A reminder for you, Brewers Weekly comes your way Thursday nights from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock on WTMJ Radio. Uh, This Thursday, there was supposed to be a presidential debate. Now that debate has been canceled, so barring something crazy happened, and now nothing crazy would ever happen in our current state of politics, uh, but barring something uh, crazy happening, We will be with you coming up uh, this Thursday from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. Thanks again to Ashton Rotman. Thanks to you for being tuned in. We'll talk to you next week with another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.